It's Cofield and Company. 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 Oh, I'm working for Steve Cofield, and it's just it's just nonstop. It's a nonstop. nonstop. In spite of being quite chubby and not eating healthy, I don't have enough donuts. I should eat more donuts because I love them. So Willie's all, Willie's all amped up. Yeah, now I'm ready. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right. Here we go. Friday, five o'clock hour. I haven't let out a good one of those in a couple of weeks. We've been I, in like I did quiet. one last week. By good, way. good. I was did. it good? Okay. All right. Ari gives a thumbs up. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we've been muted in different spots. So like I, I don't know. I missed the cue. Um, I was a little worried today. I don't want to get into like real details on this because we talk about uh, like bowel movements way too much on the show. But I will say that uh, coming back from Mexico, I had a really good Mexico trip, and then at the very end, oh boy. Oh How do they say it? Something I got something in terms of a stomach bug. Oh, mod on. I'm I've a... been like Ajita. No, no, it's not. No, it's not because Ajita is up here. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, up. Yeah, I'm thinking Ajita is the chest. Yeah. No, go to the go uh, to the rear end, and yeah. that like there's a little bit of a risk all the time if I get too excited or I push too hard. Nothing's happened. But uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, I think I, I got a little squirt of uh, little squirt of Mexican water when they made some yeah. potatoes or something. I don't, I don't know. Something happened. Something. So it'll the... clear any day now. But you know what I'm doing to uh, to clear up the uh, looseness. My approach is you just eat. You you just feed yourself more, hmm. and the body You're that's, just gorging. Yeah, well, I'm not gorging, but I'm not eating in fear. So. I don't think that's what you're supposed I've to do. I've been eating in fear, and I should be having a lot of Pedialyte, but I'm I'm, I'm trying to drink a lot of water, so I'm going to stay hydrated. Drink Propel. Okay. I've been eating in fear lately. Oh no! Is this another bowel movement story? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're going to double it up. The five I, o'clock hour. No. This is this is conflict right here. By the way, I went what gro- I'm talking about is body conflict. I went grocery shopping the the other morning, and it was dead in there, and I have no clue what brought me to because I never do this. Never. Never, 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 never. Passing the pharmacy, and I sat down and I threw my arm in the cuff and did the blood pressure test. All good, right? All bad. Oh, come on. And then I did it again, and then it dawned on me that the doctor, when I went for my quarterly not too long ago, she was like, your blood pressure's a little raised. I was like, yeah, I was up the street at the breakfast joint, and I was having, I had some breakfast, and I had half a pot of coffee, which was all true, because yeah. I, I was so I was so far in the head when I got to that side of town, so I stopped and ate breakfast, and um, I had, I did, I had a ton of coffee, so I was like, she goes, that's probably what it is, let's take it before you leave. We didn't. We she forgot we didn't do the follow up so I so for some reason I said let me sit down then I started googling right I'm going through the oh, no. the store I'm googling do grocery store bl- b- machines da 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 it was like they can't be accurate so now it's it's weighing on me I um I went to a physical therapy place later that day they took my blood pressure they're like yeah Willie's kind of high I called my ex wife she's a registered nurse I went to oh, her God, house freaking out here she took both arms she was like it's kind of high. So I called the doctor's office. I left a message. I said, I don't want to talk to the nurse's assistant. I want to hear from my doctor. 
They called back the next day. It was the nurse's assistant. She said, your doctor wants you to monitor your blood pressure for X amount of days and then come in for a visit. So I went on Amazon, bought a machine. So every morning, fresh out of the bed, I've been taking the blood pressure, and now I'm petrified of having anything with caffeine, anything fried, anything this, anything that. And it's not in the danger zone yet. Someone talked me off the ledge, who's a, who's a really smart EMT. She's really knowledgeable. She was like, just relax. You're not in the danger zone mm-hmm. where they got to go in and do procedures. They would have to give you medication. So, yeah, it's been weighing on my mind a little bit. You know what the official diagnosis is going to be in the end? All I know is what the, I, whatever the diagnosis is, you know what I know that they call it the silent killer. Well, I was going to make a joke, but now you got all heavy. I just, I, I'll be I, the guy where would be like, hey, whatever happened to Willie on Coalfield and Company? I don't know. He's 53 years old. He's in the gym all the time. He's ripped. And he dropped. Yeah, the answer is going to be he was doing Coalfield and Company. And that, that the blood pressure went through the friggin' roof. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five. Number five. I thought that's where you were going the whole time. You're like, I'm yelling, I'm screaming, you're yelling at me, we're running around. Okay, let's all calm down. Speak in muted tones. I'm going to say I did get a little worked up, more upset than anything else. And I don't know if some, you know, if people out there saw my tweet the other day, at Steve Cofield, please follow me and please engage. Um, but I tweeted out uh, that a local bar had closed. And I, I tagged it by saying, you know, Vegas progress sometimes sucks, right? We turn over things every 25 years. Um, while I was out of town, I saw that the official judgment was made on Fiesta and Texas. Yeah. Up north. And if you don't know, they've been closed since COVID. They're going to raise them. They're going to tear them down. They're going to sell the land. What a friggin' bummer. Because I got to tell you, I could do this for a long time. The Fiesta I have fond memories of because when I first came to town in 96, uh, everyone at Sports Fan Radio Network, which was the radio place I worked at, yeah. like we didn't make a whole lot of money behind the scenes. And going to the Fiesta Buffet on a Sunday for like four hours for like 10 bucks and just breaking bread and annihilating that buffet, that's a great memory. And then in recent years, Texas did such a good job on football Sundays. They had like dollar beers. $3 shots. That was one of the drunkest crowds I've ever seen. And and like a crowd from all just a great mixed crowd. Right? Well, just that- everyone mingling together. It was awesome. So I was bummed by that. But then I saw, well, I guess the grand plan now is what came out the other day, which also upsets me because I like that part of town. I know you live further north. But I saw the other day, stations did buy a big parcel south of the South Point. So you'd assume with Durango Station in the works on the 215 curve that they're also going to be building something big down across from Sohi, yeah, down near the Raiders. And I was like, damn it. Why couldn't I buy in the South? But I didn't buy in the South, and I'm not moving. So Vegas moves, man. Progress happens. Well, and one of the one of the things that's sad too is that um, what ha- you know that those two properties have been down since the pandemic. But the ice arena connected to Fiesta, that's been the only part of the building that's actually been open, and the ice has stayed busy. So you're talking like six, seven sheets of ice, or, or excuse me, uh, a sheet of ice that where we're we're, we're going to go down from 
like seven or six. I, I'm not sure how many sheets of ice there is outside of City National. Well, with City National, but yeah. for public that can go out to and yeah. enjoy ice skating. Yep. But in that area of town, it's going to take you down minus one. And uh, and I've been going out there for a long time. I, re- I mean, I'm talking as far back. Man, I, I did, I've done some stories on some, some figure skaters. That went out there. I went to the Commodores show, a uh, Commodores th- reunion. What? I want to say it was at one of the two properties. Yeah. I took my mom. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. It was like in a, a convention room with chairs. We were standing on the chairs. Mom was dancing to Brick House. It was cool. Think about this one. We've got the convenience now of betting on apps. Yeah. Weren't there just two properties in town that had a drive up betting window? Yeah. Right? Was it the IP and the Fiesta? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, the IP. Can we play some sad songs right now? Memories. So I fun. like progress, and I do think we need to turn ourselves over all the time. But, man, I'm bummed that those places are and going bye-bye. Were, 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 but, but I'm excited to see what they build down by the South Point. And, man, if uh, – well, I guess there's two parts of it because this happens all the time. If you live in the South Point area or further south, are you happy? Because it's going to get busier down there. Well, did or, they say what they're replacing uh, you know, it with? Are you mad? Did they say what they were going to put there? They didn't announce it yet, but they just paid $175 million for the... Let's hope that... Are they bringing the A's? Are they going to be Station Stadium? That would be wild, right? But let's hope that they put something there that sort of regenerates or generates some income because it's right on the sort of the the elbow, if you will, of historic West Las Vegas. And that's, that's... so if you if you go behind Texas Station, it takes oh, okay, you right okay, into yeah. the West Side. Oh, oh, what they're doing up there? They're selling the land. I don't know what they're doing with it. That's what I'm talking I, about. I don't know who they're selling it to. That's what I'm saying. So hopefully, I think it's, I would be... assume it's going to be housing. It's a gigantic area. Well, whatever and, it is, hopefully that, it brings way, some property values up. That wouldn't be the worst thing either because we have a massive housing shortage right, right now. And that's a, and that's an old school part of town. Like I said, on the uh, right on the outside of the historic West Las Vegas, on uh, the West Side, if you will. And you know that I mean they if you go just down Cary, they had regenerated some uh, re. Um, Rebuilt some homes and, and generated some some income into that neighborhood. And there's a lot of things that have built up in that neighborhood. Number four. All right, are the Aces back on track or not? I know they beat up a bad team last night. You feeling better about their defense? No, because they beat up the worst team in the league, a team that's won five games all season, a team that's endure. You know, they're they're loaded with rookies. They've got some great veterans on the team. You know, uh, Danielle Robinson, Kelsey Mitchell. They've got some great players, but they've also got a host of rookies. I'm working on a story on a girl who is one of the stars for Stanford. Lexi uh, Lexi Hull, her and her sister, started Stanford. She's a rookie. You know what I mean? Uh, and she even told me last night, she was like, this is a t- you know, all of us came from great college programs, so we're adjusting to coming from winning programs that were challenging for the national title. To the worst team in the league. So, I mean, yeah, they came out firing. They shut them down, but they shut down the worst team in the league. And they they snapped a four-game home losing streak. Which is crazy that they're playing that poorly. I want to see what they do tomorrow against Liz Cambage, Lexi Brown. The LA Sparks are coming. Number three. So we're down the last couple of days at the uh, Raiders training camp. And, you know, earlier we were talking about the offensive line, trying to pull that thing together. There's still a lot of question, mark, uh, question marks with the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Rock Yassin was out there today, like a yeah. bodybuilder. That guy's he's, he he's, put, he's put together. <laughs> um, 
But beyond that, you're talking about Amik Robertson, who I, I mean, I didn't really think he was in line to, you know, be a real factor anytime soon. Anthony Averett, um, Trayvon Mullen is on the pup list. Maybe he's back for the beginning of the season. Then are they going to have to start looking, you know, out at guys like Chris Harris? Uh, I do think what's going to be really important is the safety play has got to be elevated. And Merrick had a really good rookie year. John Abrams got to be more effective. And I think it's part of the reason, just overall leadership and, you know, another body. They brought in uh, Duran Harmon, who's been around the league and really connected to the Patriots and Josh McDaniels. And, man, he loves this guy. First of all, Duran's a good player, you know. And, and so, you know, he's, he's played, you know, at a high level for a long time. Uh, been a very dependable guy. Does a tremendous job of preparing his body. If you watch him go about his business, that would, if I was a young player, you know, I would really take note of, of the things he does, you know, whether it's in the cold tubs or, uh, you know, pre-practice or post-practice or extra meeting times or the things he does to prepare himself to have a great day of work, those, those rub off on everybody. Blessed that he's here with us. Looking forward to another season together. There you go. Uh, so many fans were hoping for big ticket items. I, I still think there's going to be a couple guys who are brought in at some point in the next couple of weeks who will be contributors. And I, I think this is the way McDaniels and Ziegler wanted to play it, that the market is going to be open for some cornerbacks and they're going to find some. Number two. So the other day we talked about the fact that the Raiders were number one in the NFL in ticket revenue, $119 million. Now we've explained, hey, every NFL franchise is not built the same way. Just because there's a cap and there's you know rev sharing with the TV money, there's also your local ticket revenue. Raiders had 119 million in ticket revenue with a stadium that only holds, you know, just over 60,000. As in comparison, I talk about everyone's not created equal. The Lions were 51 million dollars. Now, you found a great note. What was Mark Davis saying about ticket prices? He told one of the local reporters that reported on uh he sat down and talked to him yesterday at the game. At the Aces game, because, of course, Mark Davis in his seats. But he said, we probably underprice our tickets. A lot of fans are under the misconception that the Raiders set the secondary market price. That's not true. That's market-driven. Yeah, we all know that. We know the secondary market. We knew that when the Golden Knights, right, that first season when, when the secondary market was driving the price up. But that doesn't call for you to, uh, to well, say... Well, but is he saying that he would correct the secondary market by raising the prices on the front end, and then people would have, you know, the tickets would be 25% more, and they'd be like, eh, maybe I don't want to sell them. No. I Well, I think that he's just, he would, he's in a sense, he's justifying saying, we're underpricing it because the secondary market is driving the price up. Okay. But it doesn't make it, make it okay for you to say, well, if, you're gonna, if they're going to pay that much, let's go ahead and raise the... I mean, that is... Good business. It might not be the best thing for the fans. It is Foley-esque, right? As soon as Bill Foley had a chance to make more money with a hot commodity, he's like, we're going we're to raise the ticket prices. But those percentages are set in stone for season ticket holders. Those numbers, those I know because I'm a partial, I'm a season ticket holder. So we already know in advance, like three years ago when we sat down in our meeting, right. we knew what it was going to be. You have a choice. You can lock in for two years and... Then you're stuck. Then you you won't get raised X amount of percent, or then you lock in for three years, whatever it is, and then your percentage goes up by like three point two percent, four percent, whatever. So you already know in advance. Coming up, our top story, number one in the Big Five. Derek Carr spoke at length today. Was up there for about twenty minutes, and I really like what he had to say about where the offense is right now. He's optimistic, and he really. 
He threw it out there that this seems to be a more learned football team. He doesn't care about the ages, but they really seem to know the game on the offensive side of the ball, and the communication early on is great. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I love Marcus. I've known Marcus for a long time. Even when he was all the way, I knew him before this, but even when I was coming out, he was in Tampa with Teddy. I remember going out on draft visit and it was basically like hanging out with some family. I was in their room, they were installing their OTA stuff. And, and so I've known him for a while. So him and I have kept in contact throughout the years and a really good guy. And then Nick, Nick is over there, uh, Holtz, you know, Nick's over there. So we got to talk about Nick and how much we love him and it's been cool. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Derek Carr talking about Marcus Arroyo, the UNLV football head coach, who was at practice today and all the ties between uh, Carr and Arroyo and then the new OC, former Raider coach uh, Nick Holtz with the Rebels. So Carr was talking a lot about the progress that was made in the offseason and that they're off to a, a pretty good start. And I thought it was pretty interesting. He talked a lot about retention and how everyone's trying to help each other. Because, listen, everything is fast-tracked here. You got a, a new system. You're being taught by Josh McDaniels. And with the retention and with the hard work that everyone put in the offseason, now we're at a place where, you know, we're not just like everyone's quiet, just listening. Is that right? You know, like we all feel confident enough to be like, all right, now, hey, when you see it this way, you know, we can talk. And uh, um, you see a lot of uh, the older players or just more established players that have, uh, uh, I mean, more pl- played more, just helping the younger guys. Like, Hey, I'm doing it like this because of this reason, um, because this team does this or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's those are good signs. Doesn't equal wins, but those are good signs that, you know, you'll have a good group. Carr also talked about the the big three that those guys are completely into. Well, the big three guys like Devontae, um, Max Crosby, Darren Waller leading by example, and people are following. You know, if... Devonte or Darren or Max, I'm thinking about the guys that you know resign Hunter. Um, if they if they don't do it, like then it's not a team game. You know what I mean? But that's not how we look at it. You know, everyone talks about like a certain handful of guys. It, this is going to take a team effort to do what we want to do. And so for us, learning from mistakes, learning from you know maybe we used to feel this way about a certain situation, but now it's hey, this is a team thing. If I screwed up, if you screwed up, really doesn't matter. We're in this thing together. And I think what you're going to start seeing and what we started seeing even in the offseason is someone messed up, someone would join them. You know, you'd start to see guys join them to let them know, like, hey, and talk to them on the way. Hey, we got to clean this up. You know, we're going to help you all that. And that's what really helps teams. And it doesn't mean you're going to win everything, but it, it brings your team closer, which helps lead to those things. And that comment was in, um, in, in response to a question I had asked because guess what? If you make mistakes, run a lap. And the first two people to run a lap yesterday, Dylan Parham and Derek Carr. And I asked Chandler Jones, and he said, I said, you're, you've been in the league 10 years. You're about to enter your 11th. What do you make of that? He said, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's my first time seeing that. So it's kind of cool because in my story today for AP, I t- you know that was basically what I touched on was, hey, accountability, make a mistake, take a lap. And it puts everybody on the same page. It's almost like it, it brings you back to, you know, um, we asked Max Crosby the other day, do you still get nerves and anxiety sort of the night before you get those little jitters? 
It's like youth football. It's like the day before the big going back to school or, you know, the day before Pop Warner, the day before the first Friday night lights high school football game, the day before Saturday night's college football game, right? It's the same. It it sort of puts you back in that mindset of having to be responsible, accountability, not sort of taking for granted that you're a pro. Make a mistake. Take a lap. Here's Scar talking about the advancements they've made and just being around guys and seeing that they're picking up on things pretty quickly. I feel like that people know football, you know. Um, I think one thing Dave and uh, Josh have done is like they, they really care about smart football players, especially in the systems that we play in. Um, you know, you got to be super smart. You know, it's not just run out there and just be better, you know, athletically or something like that. It helps if you are, you know, uh, but it, you got to be smart. And I think that that helps. I think it really helps when they communicate something that they can take it and then go do it from the meeting room to the field. Coaching staff has them in classrooms, in film room, playbooks out, notebooks out. And I think that they're taking, you know, guys like Derek Carr who are students of the game that appreciate, you know, we, we talk about Derek Carr and what he does during the offseason beforehand, going to the park, meeting with these guys, getting in sync, getting one-on-one work, get, staying in unison. Um, I think that these veterans are really have come to an appreciation for the classroom aspect that the coaching staff is preaching that it's it's not just working with your groups. It's not just working on the field. It's not going in the weight room. We're going back to the classroom, guys. And McDaniels touched on that in his availability and saying, you know, there's no expectations right now. Right now, all I'm expecting them to do is show up and work hard in learning, relearning fundamentals, sound football. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You know, nobody believes when they say it's 100 degrees. And I say, yeah, but 100 degrees here is nothing like 100 degrees in Florida or back east because of the humidity. I walked out of the office last night and it was 99 or whatever it was, but it felt great, you know, because there really wasn't that humidity factor. So I don't sweat much out here. It's funny, you know, so I, I like that part. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. All right, rolling on. Steve and Willie. I love weather talk, especially when people come from outside the market. And Josh McDaniels went on for like five minutes on one question about studying the heat. And yeah. that's, it, was, it was tremendous. Steve Weich was in town from NFL Network covering the Raiders. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm back in L.A. where the weather is wonderful and yes. there's no humidity, so yeah. I'm really good. Yeah, I was in uh, Newport Beach uh, for a short trip about three weeks ago, and I'm like, man, it's pretty nice here. It's 75 and beautiful. But I did see NFL Network sent out a quick video when you were here, and it just says, uh, YH89 is loving the dry Vegas heat. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I tweeted. I said, you know, it's brutal because I tell people this, you know, if I'm in Vegas or Phoenix, you know, one of the desert spots this time of year, it's dry heat, but you feel like a piece of bacon in a frying pan, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I grew up, you know, in, in, in humid temperatures, so I know how brutal it is. You sweat through your clothes, you know, in 10 seconds. Yeah. So I, I absolutely know the difference. I said, but I am not going to complain because I'm here on the sidelines running my mouth. Those guys are out there in helmets and all that other stuff. So, you know, any anytime you hear sports writers who get fed in games and all complain about heat and stuff like that, just point to the field and look at what those guys are going through and say, all right, enough. <laughs> all right, enough. <laughs> all right, enough. I love it. Steve, if I, if I, if I may, I, I could be mistaken here, but I think the first time that you, you came to town last year, 
It was not under good circumstances for the Raiders. Uh, I, I want to say you, you came out because all the Nationals came out um, after the Gruden thing. This year you're out. Different vibes, different regime. Is is a, a little bit. What, what kind of vibes are you picking up for this season, and 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 how the Raiders are approaching this new start? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think I was out there in training camp at some point last year. You know, everyone still felt good about it. I mean, you know, Gruden had, had, had turned things around. People were, were feeling pretty positive on the shaping of the team, especially on offense. And, and so this year is different because, you know, Devontae Adams really, you know, from a 30,000-foot from a perspective, has swung such a pendulum into – how people, I think, feel about the Raiders positively because he's such a great player. He's got the, he's got the relationship with Derek Carr. and He's got Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and, and all of these things to really help him shine even more that he didn't have um, in Green Bay in terms of other skill position players to free him up a little bit. So I think that swung the pendulum a, a little bit more. But, you know, being in practice yesterday and talking to players and hearing Josh McDaniels and, and some folks talk, you know, they're like, look, you know, we can't buy into all of that because we don't know what we are. We don't know what the offensive line is going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen with the interior of the defense. We don't know what the secondary is going to look like. So as great as the skill position players are, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah, I think the, the guy that people should be optimistic on, and this is going to kind of sound ridiculous because he's been good already, is Derek Carr, simply for the fact that Maybe all the distractions are done. The distractions he's had as a leader of the team for the last three or four years have been insane. Never say never, my friend. I know, I know. I know. It's like some, some, <laughs> you know something could happen again. You never know. But what he you know, has faced but, from the move to all the nonsense of last year, you know, including Gruden and then Ruggs, and it's, I mean, it has been crazy. It, it's been crazy because, you know, every year, there was always this stuff, well, is he Gruden's guy, right? right? He, he had to deal with that. And look, that wasn't a lot of outside noise. That, some of that noise has come from inside the building, right? And so the fact that they've committed to Derek and Josh McDaniels is coming in here, and we know some of the work Josh did you know, last year with Mac Jones, what he's done with Tom Brady, um, how he changed game, changes game plans midstream in a game. I mean, how he's really dynamic at doing that. Um, it's going to give Derek an opportunity to, to play in a scheme where one week it's Waller, one week it's Devontae Adams, one week it's Josh Jacobs, you know, and, and really maybe show a part of his game that we haven't seen yet if they're able to adapt to everything. But, you know, Josh McDaniels, this is his second shot at getting this done, you know, and he says he's grown from, from all the mis- missteps he took in Denver, but we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see how everything comes together because, again, there are a lot of questions to be answered, which McDaniels said over and over again, including how the coaching staff comes together and relates to the players. Do you believe McDaniels you know, can take that next step? Is there, you know, obviously, we, all, we hope we all mature from 32 to 46. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think he can't. Right. I mean, I think, you know, look, a lot of coaches, you know, those who do get second chances, you know, they do learn. You know, Josh came in as the young, you know, look, he was viewed back then like how Sean McVay was viewed a couple of years ago, right? The young dude, innovative, coming from a championship pedigree, all of this other stuff. But he came in trying to act like Bill Belichick with no skins on the wall. 
you know, and it was it was disruptive in the building in Denver. It was disruptive, you know, it translated onto the playing field. That can't happen again. It can't it can't happen again. So he's got to coach football, not micromanage. Let let a lot of people who do good jobs inside those that building do their jobs, and he needs to handle winning football games and putting together the type of roster he wants to have to win those football games. So I'm glad you mentioned coaching like Belichick, but not having the equity. We were just playing some audio from Derek Carr and we've heard others talk about the Raiders are actually, when they make mistakes, they're running laps. And Chandler Jones today said, I've never seen that before in the NFL. But one of the guys who actually ran the first lap the other day was Derek Carr. What do you think of running laps in the NFL? Yeah, you know, that was, that was, uh, they, they botched the fumble exchange. And apparently that's on the players. That's not the coaches telling them to do that. Okay. You know, I, I've been to training camps before where the coaches, you know, say, okay, you get a penalty, you do this, you're running a lap. Hell, Joe Judge, when he was a coach of the Giants, made his assistant coaches run laps. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that well, what, 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 you know, um, what, what it brings up is I remember when Matt Patricia first got into Detroit, like immediately the rumblings are like, who is this guy? Like, he's not Belichick, yeah. and he's treating us like children. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, look, different different strokes are different folks. And apparently, you know, with the Raiders, that's a player-led initiative. Mm. You know, and it's not just it. Like, you know, with, with Derek, when it was a fumbled snap, it wasn't just him. It was him in the center. I think it was uh, Parham, the rookie. Parham, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> you know, look, that's something that builds, you know, that's a team-building thing, and, and this and that. So good for the players. For, you know, you hear the, the buzzword accountability. You know, that, that's a big buzzword that happens typically when there's a coaching change. But if it's player-driven accountability, that's a different thing. And, and, that's, and that's a really good sign, um, you know, for the players holding themselves accountable. Because the one thing McDaniels will not tolerate coming from New England are self-inflicted wounds. That's just something that will not be tolerated. Pre-snap penalties, things like that. Steve, let me ask you a question. We're talking to NFL Network, Steve Weiss. Steve, let me ask you this. Two players, both somewhat polarizing for the offensive side of the ball, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller. Darren Waller has not been extended yet. He's a guy who's making $6.2 million when other top tight ends are in, you know, they're making in the teens. Josh Jacobs doesn't get the fifth-year option. Which one of those two comes in with a bigger chip on his shoulder? It's got to be Darren Waller. It's got to be Waller because, you know, he's seen, you know, even guys like C.J. Uzama and these guys get big numbers, you know, as a tight end. And we know Waller. I have seen so many games where he is the best player on the field. Not just the best receiver, but the best player on the field. I would sit there like I would throw it to him 30 consecutive times to the opposing team stops it, right? He's that guy. And so the fact he's got to make them a believer, okay, fine. Bet on yourself. Make them a believer, and you know what? You're going to get the highest tight end contract in the NFL. And you know everything you're, you're hearing about him in the offseason is he has been dialed in and looked pretty good. Now, yeah. you know, pads aren't on. But, yeah, I mean, as far as Jacobs, he's got to have a chip on his shoulder, too. But, you know, the one thing about running backs in this game, there, there's probably going to be like eight used every game. 
<laughs> yes, know, yes. It's, it's the Patriots game. It's a week-to-week, series-to-series thing. Yeah, fantasy football players, forget the Raiders. You, you got no shit. Yeah. I don't know who's playing. Who, if anyone's going to get 15 carries, it ain't going to happen. I saw you pay a compliment to Charles Robinson. I used to work at Yahoo, and Charles has been at Yahoo a long time, great football expert. And I like that you you know, you know, gave him kudos. And I noticed one of the things he said actually kind of plays into what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, and that is that Dave Ziegler and company are – confident, I believe, that they're going to be able to get some good pickups at the end of camp. And those positional problems, maybe defensive back, is where they're really going to work hard at the end and middle of August to get some more assets. Yeah, I mean, every team does it. Um, but, you know, they've, they've got to be, you know, you've got to be scheme specific. You've got to find guys who can do it. But that's secondary, man. I mean, they're thin at corner. Um, you know, we have to see, you have to see what they want to do at safety. And so... I think they've got two talented safeties right now, but you have to add depth there. You have to play a third safety to play kind of that big nickel because you don't have the depth at corner. I mean, Hobbs is a good nickel back. Um, so, you know, they, they just have to see. But every team is going gonna, is gonna to be, you know, plucking from other teams' rosters. But, you know, look, every new coach wants his guys. I mean, John Gruden wanted to basically purge the Raiders when he first <laughs> took over, and he had every right to. Um, this is this is this is a pretty pretty talented nucleus. So you don't want to get too heavy handed um, with with things, but there clearly are some areas like the secondary and offensive line that must be upgraded. Steve, uh, so <laughs> we saw a little bit of a temper flare today off of a question, but I want to ask you about the subject that was brought up within the media room. Um, there was a story that came out about the Raiders being little under-talked about, if you will, disrespected, not talked about enough, whereas the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, it, it, that's, the, that's the scuttlebutt, is the Chargers or the Chiefs and then the Broncos, oh, and by the way, the Raiders. Are the Raiders being not talked about enough? That's made up, man. The Raiders are being talked yep. about. <laughs> the Raiders are being so <laughs> much you. respect. That's that old Michael Jordan. Oh, Calvert Cheney is a Michael Jordan stopper. <laughs> Please, this is that. This is that phantom disrespect. Be you find someone who's telling me that the Raiders aren't getting respected. I mean, all right. offseason, AFC West is the best division in football. Look at how stocked all these teams are. Better not sleep on the Raiders. I, you know. Look, there, there could be three teams from this division to go to the playoffs. You know, the Chiefs, you got to beat them, right? Someone's got to knock them off. The Chargers on paper might be the most talented team in the NFL, but they're the Chargers, right? They're on paper. They've been on paper great for 20 years, right? The Broncos got Russell Wilson. They deserve to be talked about. The Raiders get Devontae Adams. They're getting talked about. So all the disrespect, scuttlebutt, man. Hey, use whatever you got to use to get you over the hump, man. Because that's exactly that, that's you know yeah. that's BS. Yeah, no, right. no, no one is disrespecting the Raiders. I was going to say in college football, we had Alabama's best player, one of their linebackers, say no one believed in them before the uh, national yeah. title game. I'm like, my God, I, we, we, all we do is talk about <laughs> Alabama. Hey, was that a day trip the other day for you? Did you stay overnight somewhere in town? No, that was a day trip. That oh, okay. was a day trip. I'm, I'm back in LA. I'll be with the Niners next week when they open. Then I head to the Falcons, and I'm up to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is awesome because nice. Cliff Branch is going in. And, you know, I, I've been doing stuff at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for about 10 years. And when a Raider goes in, man, Raider Nation shows up. So I'm looking forward to that. Steve, thank you so much. That was a great spot. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. There he is, Steve Weich, NFL Network. 
Was that too? Was I prying there at the end? Like, did you stay somewhere? No. What hotel do you like in Henderson? I was going to ask. I don't know. When guys come to town, it's L.A., so it can be a day trip. Yeah. But when guys come to town, the women come to town. We saw Josina Anderson, right, yeah. was out there today working with CBS. Um, I, what do they do? They do you do the strip, or do you stay in Henderson? You rock and roll in Henderson. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I think that they, you know, especially training camp, they're probably trying to find the, you know, the easiest way in and out. You get to the airport. You take the now. You can just take the tunnel out. And then you find like a nice Marriott or some place I don't know near the facility. Why? Why would you want to deal with the strip? You don't have to. Because people like to, to people come to Vegas to hang out on the strip. They're not coming out here to hang out. They're coming out here to work. I mean, come on. They're not. It's, no listen, one. No one listen, comes to Vegas. I'm talking about your no, listen, the media. People don't come to Vegas and they're like, eh, let me sneak in. Uh, Steve Weiss, Josie Anderson. They didn't come out here for that. Those NBA summer league media. They want to stay on the strip and party and kick it and well, go to the. Can I yeah. just say, if I came here, that it would not be a day trip, and I would stay on the strip. It's through a, it's your a, other it, assignments. This guy's got assignments. He's, assignments. he's got teams to cover. You just you, you put in the freaking schedule and you go, I got a day and a half of work. You get it all done in one day, you hang out on the strip. For another four. I didn't say four. Going to the day club. Overnight? Jesus. Yes. To, to do a pool in the morning. It's a big deal. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield & Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You going to keep yelling at me? About my love of Vegas and road tripping here if I wasn't from Las Vegas? Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this because I'm not a... A Hendersonitonian, what is it? What are they? Hendersonian? Hendertuckian. Hendertuckian. Um, this isn't really Hendertucky talk, though. Uh, I'm not super familiar with the roads down by the Raiders facility, although I live pretty close in the past. Uh, I didn't know about Star. So I've been going to the facility from up north. All the way down to the M, and then coming up St. Rose, and then I got the snitch that Star going east goes right into Raiders Way. Right. But let me tell you, when I drove, I took Star today, and I was like, "This is wonderful." As I drove it, boy, I was putting along. I was not aggressive because the other day, and you didn't go out the other day. You're almost out there, uh, or you're out there almost every day. The other day, apparently, they had a speed trap. I've been out there for speed traps. Because Star, while uh, a lovely clear path to St. Rose Parkway, it's only 35. That's right. And the, those quick. 35s, because you're coming off of the 15, you're all hyper-aggressive. Well, and from the 15 to the first stoplight, yep. I don't know what that first stoplight is, but I think it might be Las Vegas Boulevard. Yeah. It's it's 45. I thought it was 70. On, the, on Star... <laughs> So, and then it turns into 35, which you really don't know until later on. Yeah. And then there's a school zone. Well, I knew. Well, when the school I, zone. Because I, I was told, yes, I was told well, yesterday. Well, a couple of years it was, ago. It was a nightmare for some, thing. For some Raiders media people. Here's the thing. I have to, I have to, I'm going to, you said earlier, don't put anybody's name out there, but I am going to call somebody out because no. a couple of years ago don't when I was it. driving, I'm going to, because when I was driving out there, I saw all these motorcycle cops. So doing my due diligence to the to my fellow drivers when I got to the Raiders facility. Yeah. I tweeted out, hashtag speed trap. You do that so, a lot. Yes. 
And I appreciate it. Yes. I wouldn't do that, but so, I appreciate that you do it. Well, you do it, it on was, two. It you was, do it on two fifteen a lot. It was early north. in the morning. Yeah. So what was on? What was on early in the morning? The press box. Hmm. So the boys mention it. Yeah. And what does Jared Justice do? Oh wait a minute. Do we know if Willie Ramirez was tweeting that in his Mercedes Benz while he was driving? I texted him. I said, "What are you, a snitch, a yeah. rat? You well, trying to get me in trouble?" I know. Oh yeah. Jared, yep. he—I re- I'll never forget that, Mister Justice. Exactly, don't justice. What justice? There's no justice for rats. Uh, he's on their side. He's on their side. Wow. Yeah, I like that you do that. I appreciate that. Always, it's a must. Okay, am I as bad as Jared? If um, I when when I drive home, there is a particular stretch where motors are hanging out all the time, motor cops, yeah, because people do speed. Um, as people blow by me, and then I know the two spots that the cops hang out, as people blow by me and then we both pass, I, if I honk and I point, get him! Get her! Yeah. Do you think Metro's like, thank you, sir? Or are they like, who is this horse's ass? No, that would be me Going ballistic that. and pointing at me. other cars. That would be me calling you, uh, okay, who is this Mickelson? <laughs> there you go. That's a good reference. <laughs> I pulled the Mickelson! Who is this Snitchelson out here on the road? Can't be trusted. Yeah, there's a. Uh, you got to know in your areas of town. Like I got popped about four years ago on a. Uh, a t- I, there's it's 25, but it's off a bridge. Oh. You're coming down a bridge, 25. Yeah, you know where they used. You're to gonna be get out. caught. So now it, I don't care. I don't. I I don't care if someone is behind me. And they want to run me off the road. I'm not going anything above 29. So because I remember, because I, I remember, because I was going 37. I remember the worst ticket story in the history of Lotus Broadcasting was Dave Koken came in one day for for DC and the Sunshine Man, and he had been popped earlier in the day in a school zone doing 21 and a 15. Oh, that's brutal. He was not happy, and I don't ever want to break that record. So there's a 215. You know, we're just going to trade horror stories listen, about tickets. No, I don't I didn't get a ticket. Well, you come around the 215 by Centennial High School in Hualapai, so you're heading, at this point, you'd be heading east. I don't know what the directions are because the 215, it goes south, north, east, west. But anyway, you end up heading east, right, and you're passing Hualapai. The cops used to sit up on the off on the on-ramp, and so you come under the underpass of Hualapai, passing Centennial High School on the right, and they would gun you as you're going away from them, not yeah. coming up. And then, so That's now rough. all of a sudden you hit Durango and they fire in behind you because they sit up on the ramp. Stuff. Yeah, they're crafty, those guys. That's their job. Yeah, it is. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Boy, we didn't get to ask Steve Weiss from NFL Network about a, a tweet he sent out, I think it was yesterday, about the Bengals helmets. And uh, you saw these helmets as well. What's the new helmet? It's So it's it's got the the... Looks like the what? The we'll say the claw. We'll say the, I would just say scratch? the Bengal striping. Yes, yeah, the, the Bengal. It's not really a scratch. The, yeah, uh, but it's white with the mm. black scratches. Man, I think their their normal uniform and helmet is awesome. Yeah, but this white one, I I, I think it's pretty I, when cool. I, when you sent this over, I fully expected to be like that sucks. It's like it's pretty good. Willie nailed it because I really like the main helmet. Wait a minute, 
I really like the main helmet. I sent over the new Bengals helmet might be the best in the league, and right. you expected it to fully suck. Not just suck. Not, not because of you, because I really like the helmet. The regular. Oh, you expected it to be disappointed. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's badass. It's it? it's pretty good. I like because I've seen a lot it's of cool. a lot of teams are going to black helmets. Yeah, and a lot of them suck. Yeah, I don't like that. I think the Eagles and Jets are going there's to black only, helmets. You know, like your, only... your color scheme is greenish. Stop with. And I like black uniforms, but. There, there's only one team that could go to the black and, and still is appreciated, and that's Burt Reynolds' Mean Machine from The Longest Yard. Oh, that's an old reference. Yeah, well, they should have never remade that movie. All right. So what are you doing this weekend? What are you watching? What are you, what are you doing? Besides lifting and uh, not eating salt I'm, for your I'm blood take, pressure. I'm taking it easy because of the blood pressure. I'm going to go to the Aces game tomorrow night. Okay. And don't forget to join me, by the way, July 31st for the watch party when they're on the road playing the Indiana Fever. Uh, that's actually at the spot on Volunteer. Yeah. Right down near the M Parkway Tavern. That'll be yeah. pretty cool. All right, we are out of here. Good job, Iari. Thanks to all the guests. There's a really good guest spots today.